Welcome back. 8 o'clock, hour two of B-Team Edition. Buckeye and Baked Goods with you here. Interview-heavy first hour. We had Montrose girls basketball coach Steve Skiff. They host Glenwood Springs tonight on 95.7 The Monkey. Then we had our college football and basketball insider Wyatt Thompson, voice of the K-State Wildcats. We had him uh, just wrapped up about five minutes ago with him. I love interview-heavy shows. Less me is the best me. Yeah. Just saying. I mean... I, I think you do a great job. Well, thank that's, you. But I also know sometimes... Checks in the mail. <laughs> I wish. We're neither related nor married, and you still said that, and I feel appreciative. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's nice It's nice to appreciate mm-hmm. and be appreciated. You know? I'm sure even sometimes the other person in my marriage is like, I hear him talk enough. What? It, it's a lot. It's a it, lot to process. Yeah, I, yeah there, there are a lot of words that come flowing out of this old pie hole, and some of them are uncouth. <laughs> Some of them don't make a whole lot of sense. Occasionally, every once in a while, there's the mic drop in there. Or occasionally, you use words like uncouth. Uncouth, yeah. Occasionally, I'll surprise you with the depth of my vocabulary, and then I'll say words like geyer. (laughs) So, you know, it's a little bit this and that. You can get your thoughts in on anything that happened over the weekend. Super wild card weekend pile, 970-242-1340. How did you feel First, the six games. That's been a thing now for a couple of years. I personally... See? Again, wordsmith. Take two. Personally liked two, two, and two. The two, three, one, I was always felt that was a little unbalanced with uh, wild card games. I, not that I want weather to postpone because that was, uh, again, pull back the curtain, a little bit of a technical snafu palooza over the weekend. That was a oh. lot of fun. Don't want that to happen accidentally. I would like it to be scheduled that way. Yes. Two, two, and two. Just make it happen, and it'll be fine. You had the Texans and Chiefs, the former Texans. Two Texans winning on Saturday. How about that? Just realize that. There you go. The Dallas Texans and the Houston Texans. The artist formerly known as the Dallas Texans, now your Kansas City Chiefs. And then the uh, first home loss of the season uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Poor Cowboys and Cowboys fans. Uh, Lions beat the Rams. Bills, Buccaneers win on Monday. We talked about this a little bit in the first hour. We are also trying to, orga, you know, uh, make our way through, orchestrate through some uh, technical snafus yeah, over was, in, in your to, sidecar there. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, be able to talk, and it my phone processor just said, I don't want to work today. So there were... Three kind of chalk games. Those were all the late games, right? Chiefs beating the Dolphins in the bad weather. We kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Well, the weather wasn't necessarily bad. It was just freezing cold. Uh, Lions beat the Rams in a close one. We not surprised the Lions won at home. And this wasn't the late game, so not all three late games, but it felt like this was played at night because it was so dark all day. Bills beating the Stillers, 31-17. Not really surprised there. No. Now, of the surprises, the 31-point route the Browns suffered, the Cowboys getting just blitzed at home, and the Buccaneers dominating the Eagles, which one is more surprising? I want to say Cowboys, but not because they lost. Didn't you get... It's the how, right? It's It's not that they lost. Because I... And I think I said as much Friday. I was like, you know, 
prove to me, Dallas, that you can win in the playoffs, and we'll talk. Mm-hmm. Get to a conference championship game. Just get there. Yeah. And we'll go from there. And they didn't. And they, but again, it would have, in, in a normal world, it would have come down to a boneheaded coaching decision. Mm-hmm. Some Mike McCarthy, hey, let's have Ezekiel Elliott line up at center for the last play of the game, you know. Yeah, with like two blockers. With two blockers. Let's do that and see what happens. And, you know, it would have come down, again, normally would have come down to that. Mm -hmm. What shocked me, though, was just how embarrassing Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay didn't just win. They, like, throttled them. It was not, not good at all. They've made 13 playoff appearances in the last 30 seasons, 29 seasons since the Super Bowl win. They have not gotten to a conference championship game. There you go. That That's almost impossible. <laughs> not great. I, and I heard it. I don't remember where I heard this, so I can't give proper credit because my mind is flighty like that. There's someone saying, why don't the Niners and Niners fans get the same amount of grief as Cowboys and Cowboys fans because they've won the same amount since the mid-90s? Because San Francisco never claimed to be America's team or anything Mm -hmm. remotely. And by the way, in that same time span, you know how many Super Bowls San Francisco's been to? Two. Dos. Yeah. And that was where I was going to go with that, is, you know, you say that, okay, well, San Francisco's not won anything since 1995 or 96 either, 94 rather. They haven't won anything and blah, blah, blah. Why are they not? Well, so you got to look, 97 conference championship game. They lost to the Packers, who is a pretty damn good team. 2011 conference championship team. They lost in overtime to the Giants, who ended up winning the Super Bowl. 2012, they lost the Super Bowl. If the power doesn't go out in that game, they may win that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Next year, conference championship game, they lose at Seattle. Seattle goes on to win the Super Bowl that year. 2019, they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Chiefs, who were just an absolute juggernaut, and they still only lost by 11. They were leading that game in the second half, by the way. Conference championship, they lose on the road at L.A. by three. Last year, conference championship game, they were down to essentially Steve DeBerg at quarterback, and they lost 31-7 to to the Eagles. So that one is the one where it's just a little bit outside. Love Steve DeBerg. Yes, thank you. So, I mean... Yeah, you know what? They have won as many Super Bowls as the Cowboys since the Cowboys last Super Bowl. They've also been there more. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven trips to at least the conference championship game. Cowboys haven't done that. No. And I think part of it applies to what you say is the Niners are just kind of flying under the radar a little bit. They don't proclaim to be America's team. You know, and part of the cowboy hate is also just hatred for Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. It's like they're on that. 
Skip Bayless has burned the same Dak Prescott jersey seven times. Because we know he's not going out and buying another one. No. So <laughs> that all goes back to the question of which is the most surprising. I don't feel the loss is surprising. The manner in which they lost, I think, is a little bit surprising. Agreed. Damn, it felt like the Eagles quit last night, though. Poor Jason Kelsey. I mean, not really, because he's like... He's know. got a Super Bowl. He's been to one other. He has he's really a, lifted his profile the last three years. He's got, he's got a multimedia profile mm-hmm. in the, you know in the can ready to go and his brother is travis kelsey who's got his own you know yeah bajillions of media fame it he's he's fine but when i say poor jason kelsey what i mean is you just you saw the look on his on his face like oh this is mm-hmm. it for him when and you feel bad because like and he seems like just a good guy and when you have probably the lightest treading foot of any color analyst in the NFL and Troy Aikman, just flat out saying you're tackling like garbage. You know you're, you're tackling, tackling like, like garbage. garbage. Yeah, it is, it was bad last night. It just feels like something happened at the end of their 10-1 and one start to where they just kind of gave it. This team was 10-1. and one. They finished 11-6 and six and lost in the playoffs. Like, what exactly happened other than just getting pasted by the Niners? It feels like they curled up and quit. And they beat a Giants team on Christmas that they probably should have lost that game too. Felt like it. They got pummeled in Dallas. They lost at Seattle. They beat the Giants. They got beat at home by the Cardinals. Then they lost to the Giants to rest everybody. And how'd that work out? It didn't. You got dominated by Baker Mayfield. Now, lesser teams have been dominated, but you should go in there and win that game. You're 11 and 6. You will go in there and you get absolutely pelted. Your tackling was atrocious. That David Moore touchdown was just what a what a joke that was. Yeah. And to kind of put a capper on these surprising losses. Not surprised that the Texans won. The manner in which they picked up the victory was, again, what a fraud of a defense. I've been saying it for five years. Oh, the Cleveland defense is pretty good. No, it's not. Watch them. Watch them play in and play out. They're not good. They're lucky. It's Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. and that's it. And Miles Garrett had one sack since he hurt his shoulder in Denver against the Broncos. And injuries taken their toll offensively, but they were still in a position to win games with Joe Flacco and a bunch of dudes, Amari Cooper out there. David Njoku had a resurgence in the back half of the year, seemed to remember that, oh, yeah, I'm like 6'7 and 270 pounds and can run like the wind. Only took him nearly getting Anakin Skywalker to yeah. realize, you know. So there's that. You know, you had the other tight end whose name's escaping me right now. You had Jerome Ford. You had Kareem Hunt. Offensively, they still had plenty of weapons. Their pass protection was not great because they were missing, I think, four 
or five or six offensive linemen at some point this season. So, yeah, there were problems, but not throw it to the guy wearing the other jersey in, on two consecutive drives problems. Joe Flacco played at times in that game like, screw it. What What's the worst that can happen? I go back to being retired? Right. That bothered me a little bit because you don't have to be uh, all or nothing every play. Like Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. That's great. But even they would run the ball at times or take a check down. Like, you know what? Let's throw it into double coverage. I don't need to see that. We had that. We had Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yep. But that defense is fake toss. Oh, let's all collapse because we're awesome at run D. And then Nico Collins is running wild and free into the secondary. What an absolute fraud of a defense. We saw it when they played Denver. Like, we saw how the Broncos could move the ball, air quotes, at times this season. And then they played the Browns defense, who's supposed to be great. Worst points allowed on the road in the NFL this season. Tied with, you know who they were tied with? The Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos. But best at home. Like, that defense is supposed to travel. What a fraud. What a fraud defense. I was in fire everybody mode Saturday and Sunday. It's like Kevin Stavansky, give him coach of the year in his left hand, pink slip in his right hand. Give him the George Carl treatment? Yeah, pretty much. I've calmed down a little bit. Have you? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm still. <laughs> I was going to say. Only just a little. <laughs> I'm still in what a fraud mindset, though. Now, let's have a little fairness, a little bit of cooler heads prevailing. They're 11 and 6, and the Eagles 11 and 6 are two separate things. Very different. The Eagles 11 and 6, with pretty much their entire group coming back from a game in which they should have won in the Super Bowl, is such a subpar season. Browns 11 and 6, where they used five starting quarterbacks this season due to the last one being nearly 40 years old. That's different. And the fact that they won some games they absolutely should not have. They lost some games they shouldn't have either. But that's neither here nor there. I will be happy with that 11-6 and six and a wild card appearance at some point. But what a fraud defense that was on Saturday. Fraud and flawed. Fraud and flawed. Yikes. Man well, alive. Call the law offices of fraud and flawed and flawed. I have never been so upset at TV people I have never met. Then when they say, well, Greg Emerson, you know, what a great cornerback he has turned out to be. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> you mean the guy 10 yards behind the play? Yeah, he's great. <laughs> that guy knows how to spell every number one receiver's last name because he's looking at their nameplate for 30 yards. <laughs> it's not funny. Anyway, it's not funny. Coming up, we'll do our coaching vacancy draft. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And there's a team on here that may be added. That's not technically added right now. That I think is really intriguing. And it's a legendary head coach to a legendary franchise. We'll talk about that coming up. I, but I think we all know. I think we all know who I'm talking about and where I'm talking about him going. Because officially, 
the head coach hasn't yet. been fired yet. Yet. Yet is the key word. But right now, it's time to go. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. Wholly unscientific thought, but I think I only get Browns games when they lose. Didn't you pick the the who gets what teams today, though? Yeah, but I just went in order, and usually the guy over here gets the first okay, game. Okay, I see, I see, I see. And I was hoping it would be a win, and I would be able to talk about the Browns moving on to the division. What a fraud. Nope. What an absolute joke. Anyway. Joe Flacco, 34-46-307. Hey, good for him. Threw three touchdowns, one to Cleveland, two to Houston. That was a lot of fun to watch. C.J. Stroud, 16-21, 274, three touchdowns. A 158.3 rating is perfect. C.J. Stroud, 157.2. Dang. Out of 100, his QBR was 98.4. That's pretty good. He was damn near a fever with his QB rate. Absolutely fantastic. Nico Collins, six catches for 96 yards. John Mechie the third, three catches for 44 yards. Uh, Brevin Jordan, whoever that is, got a touchdown. Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz scored as well. Kareem Hunt got a pair of touchdowns for the Browns, and that was all she wrote. Texans are on into the division round. The Browns, what a fraud. You 11 and 6. You mentioned the uh, three touchdown passes that Joe Flacco threw. Yeah. One to his own team, the other two to opposing teams. That would include this 82-yard uh, scamper. Mm-hmm. Line of scrimmage is now the 34. Shotgun for Flacco. Takes the snap. Steps up. Flacco under duress. He throws it. Intercepted along the near side. Picked off. Running down the sideline is Steven Nelson, and he could go. Nelson to the 15, the 10. Nelson breaks away. Touchdown. 83 yards. Spike it. Throw the ball in the ground. Take the sack. What are you doing? He just was like, zing. Where is it? It's like, throw the ball in the air. Where it goes, no one cares. Except Browns fans care. They, yeah. And at that point, it was like, oh, this is not going to be a good day. Oof. The most, le- the least open receiver on any of those touchdown patches was Kareem Hunt. Everybody else, he just threw it right to him. Not great. All right, moving Give on. Give me a minute. I'll be fine. You, you sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. A freezing cold game. Um, Patrick Mahomes' helmet was so cold and brittle that the shell Mm -hmm. cracked. Yeah. And it reminded me, did you, you didn't watch the Kenobi show on Disney Plus, did you? No, I haven't yet. Okay, so. Don't spoil it. I don't know how it turns out. There's a scene where a very noteworthy character's mask gets cut and looks kind of cracked. And so a lot of people, myself included, were making memes on Twitter about that. Nerd. I know. Uh, but Kansas City prevails 26 to 7. And Patrick Speaking Mahomes. Speaking of brittle. Yeah, right. The Dolphins. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, not good. But uh, Patrick Mahomes looking like, well, Patrick Mahomes. Ninth play of the drive, the 11 of Miami. Edwards Hilaire is the back. Shotgun snap to Mahomes. Cocks his arm, throws a pass. Caught by Rice. 10 to the 5 to the 4. Play one. Touchdown. The Chiefs have scored on a touchdown pass of 12 yards. 
from the quarterback Patrick Mahomes to the rookie wide receiver out of SMU, Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice, your leading receiver, eight catches, 130 yards, and that touchdown. Patrick Mahomes, 23 for 41, 262 yards, and a touchdown. Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, 20 of 39, 199 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, back here at the uh, team sports desk running CMU basketball for our sister station, uh, was training one of the new guys, <laughs> who's, who's not new, but uh, he had placed a little uh, wager. Tua and Patrick Mahomes over 200 passing yards. Uh-huh. And to a 199. Oh, dang. So who's the real loser here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, Kansas yeah, City good. moves on. They will play the Buffalo Bills. Did you know that this upcoming Bills Chiefs playoff game will be the first ever non-Super Bowl road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes in his entire career? Yeah, I uh, I believe I I knew that actually. Crazy. Yes. So uh, we move on into Saturday or Sunday, rather, and I I believe the first game is a, a U game. So if you want to go ahead with the next one. All right. So the uh, next game for me in my list, the game we were talking about, not so much that they lost, but how they lost. The Packers. Oh, yeah. Over the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, they're fighting cheese curds. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? Let's get some grain belt and, yeah. uh, and some paps. We'll tailgate in the cold. Uh, it was in Dallas. It was domed, so weather not a factor. Dallas just absolutely got wrecked by Green Bay. Aaron Jones, one of three touchdowns. Uh, that you'll hear from this call from Westwood One. Packers up to the line, second out of two. Receivers left and right. Love goes under center. Jones is the single back. Watson in motion from right to left. Love takes the snap. He'll hand it off Jones. Running left, cuts back up the middle, across the five to the end zone. Touchdown, Packers. A nine-yard touchdown for Aaron Jones. It's his third of the game. Aaron Jones, three touchdowns on the ground. Jordan Love, three touchdowns through the air. Jordan Love, 16 of 21. That's not, he didn't like throw it a ton. 16 no. of 21, 272 yards, three touchdowns, going to the likes of Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, and Dontavian Wicks. Yeah. That's, uh... I have no idea who that is. He's actually come out in the last few weeks. He's uh, starting to become a very nice target for Jordan Love. I know who that is. And Well, I'm glad you do, because I had no clue. Uh, but yeah, Romeo Tobbs, six catches, 151 yards and a touchdown. That's 25.2 yards per catch average. Dallas did score some garbage time touchdowns, got sort of back in it late. Didn't really matter because Green Bay and Aaron Jones just destroyed them. Yeah. So Green Bay moves on to play San Francisco in the divisional round. That game Saturday night. Luke Musgrave also getting into the end zone for the Packers. Um, also, a pick six, Darnell Savage. Oh, yeah. On a play where Dask, Dak hit him in stride. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just say that. Then we go to the Motor City. This game was a lot of fun in the first half and a lot of field goals in the second half. Matthew Stafford, 25 of 36, 367, two touchdowns, finding Puka Nakua and Tutu Etwell 
for the Rams. Jared Goff, 22 of 27, 277, a touchdown pass to Sam Laporta. Offense they couldn't muster in college. The Iowa tight ends come through <laughs> in the NFL. Amon Ross St. Brown in his blue hair, seven catches, 110 yards. Did not find the end zone, but the Lions hold on and beat the Rams 24-23 to in the wild card, super wild card weekend Sunday nightcap. And then to get things started, or sorry, we got, to, we got sound from uh, Sunday night. Jared Goff takes the final knee and the final seconds are going to come off the clock here at Ford Field in Detroit. The Detroit Lions have got their first postseason win in 32 years. January 5th, 1992. They outlast the Los Angeles Rams. They win it 24-23. That's so cool. And yeah. they get to go back next week to face the Bucks. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. And I did feel bad for Lions fans over the weekend. They had to go all the way out to like Pontiac and Cherry Hill Village to find buildings to set on fire outside of downtown Detroit since all the rest of them are already set on fire. Sorry, Jim Lannis. I'm just poking fun at Michigan because apparently they can't let anybody win anything else no. anymore. They also beat Ohio State in basketball over the weekend, which didn't piss me off at all. Not at all. On the shores of Lake Erie, hey, some team based on Lake Erie can actually win football games. And it's the Buffalo Bills. They beat the Stillers 31-17. to Josh Allen, 21 of 32, 03, three touchdowns. He also had the long rushing touchdown, 52-yard scamper as the Bills beat the Stillers. Ball spotted at the 47-yard line. Isabella in motion. Allen takes the snap. Now he'll keep it himself. Running to his left. He runs inside the numbers. Gets to the 40. Cuts to his left to the 30. 25-20. Big man inside the 15. Sidelines inside the 5. Touchdown, Bills. Josh Allen, a 52-yard scamper. Yes, 100%. And the Bills went. Now, Josh Allen kind of okey-doked the Steelers and Miles Jack into a penalty because on that run, he did the choppy step, going to slide and then ran to the rest of the end zone. And then he did a slide and got pummeled by Miles Jack <laughs> and got the 15-yard penalty. <laughs> I could kind of see Miles Jack where he's coming from like, what am, I supposed, what to am do? I supposed to do here? First of all, I was diving before he slid. Second of all, we thought he was going to slide, and we all pulled up, and then he didn't slide, and he ran for a touchdown. Yeah. So, anyway, Bills beat the Stillers 31-17, and they will host Kansas City coming up this weekend. Last but not least, Fly Eagles, uh, well, Ugh. not really. More like crash. Yeah. The, uh, Buccaneers get the win over uh, the Eagles, Tampa Bay, 32-9. I was checking Scorigami. To see if that was a uh, a scoregami. It yeah. was a rare agami, as it were, because mm -hmm. that score had only ever happened once nice. before. Uh, Tampa Bay's Baker Mayfield with three touchdown passes, including this one. Shotgun snap to Mayfield. Sets, throws, right side, catch at midfield. Breaking a tackle is Palmer down the right sideline. Fears across the field. He's going to go. He'll go all the way for the touchdown. Trey Palmer. 
that's kind of a microcosm of how that game went for Philly because yeah. whiffed on the tackle. Whiffed on the tackle. That's That tells you all you need to know right there. That would be the NFL film season recap title. Yeah. Whiffed on the tackle. Eagles 2023. Whiffed, whiffed. on the tackle. Whiff. Yep. It was it was not good. So your division rounds shapes up like this. Houston at Baltimore, Green Bay at San Francisco Saturday, Bucks at Lions, Chiefs at Bills on Sunday. It is Tuesday. That means it's time for New York Sports TV shows and movies. Let's play Stadium Cinema on the team. All right. For Stadium Cinema today. Up for grabs, we've got a couple of uh, prizes. The downtown double play with triple play. The downtown double play with triple play, Junction Square pizza and a pasta salad, and a $20 gift certificate to Triple Play Records. Now, um, I have a small problem because my text line has logged me out, and it says I did not pass the recaptcha check to prove I'm not a robot. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I might need your help on the text line, but... Nonetheless, if you have the right answer pile, text in at 970-242-1340. First correct answer gets the downtown double play with triple play. The following is a clip from a very popular old TV show. There is a sports figure that is name dropped and whose name I have obviously censored. So you're going to tell me who is the name dropped sports figure in this clip. Tom. You know who's in tonight? It's the judge coach, sweetie. I should go say hello. Now, if I told you what the show was, obviously that might you know, give it away. But you could probably... Well, he did say the Jets coach. But... Which Jets coach? That's that's the trick. So first correct answer on the text line, 970-242-1340. Gets a downtown double play with triple play, the triple play records gift card. And the antipasto salad from Junction Square Pizza. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back to the Jim Davis Show. Buckeye and Baked Goods with you. A B team here. Do we do we have a guess yet? Even not even a correct guess, but do we have a guess yet for Stadium Cinema today? Yeah, you know, as far as I can tell, and bear in mind, I had to reload our mm-hmm. our text line because for some reason I'm the basket case today yeah, when it comes to technology. You got a mess. I am a hot mess. Um, but no, we do not have a uh, guess yet for the uh, for the Stadium Cinema clip. All right, you want to hit it again? Yes. Now, remember, this is a, there's a a name in sports Mm -hmm. that I have uh, censored out from this clip from a once popular TV show. You are to guess the sports figure, and if you get it right, you get a gift card to Triple Play Records and an antipasto salad from Junction Square. Tom, you know who's in tonight? It's a judge coach, sweetie. I should go say hello. There's only one person speaking in that clip that's still alive, by the way. Oh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> well, it's true. I know, it's, I know, but... And it's not the main guy. It's uh, Arthur. But anyway, 
It's neither here nor there. All right. Now here's a little something fun that we're going to do. We hope it's fun. And now for something completely different. Yes. Yeah. This might be entertaining. That's where it's completely different from the last 90 minutes of this show. If you take a look at the text line right now. We're going to do a coaching vacancy draft going in the draft order. So the Panthers are going to be at the very end because they don't have a first round draft pick. But once a coach is selected, he's off the board. So there's not going to be a double like we can't both agree at this point. We're going alternating style. I'm going to start off with uh, the Washington Commanders, and I think they should go with the hot name this season, the assistant coach. Wait, wait, wait. Before. Oh, oh, do we have a. Do, do, do you want a, a little uh, accompaniment? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm going to go Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions going to the Washington Commanders. I think Lions offense has been pretty good this year. There are some nice pieces in Washington. If they could keep everybody healthy, that's that's a big if, and that's really not on coaching. But they have Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. You'd like to think that maybe Terry McLaurin, who had a 1,000-yard year this year, Jahan Dotson. Maybe you can make something with that offense. Maybe get a young quarterback in there or a better quarterback. I'm going to go with Ben Johnson, the Lions OC to the Commanders. All right. That's the first pick with yeah, with the second pick in the uh, Jim Davis show coaching draft. The Los Angeles Chargers select a guy you are, uh, I'm sure, very familiar with in your hatred. Good old dumb khaki pants, Jim Harbaugh. Mm. Harbaugh and the, the combination of him and Justin Herbert, to me, just works. You know Herbert's going to deliver. Mm-hmm. You know Herbert's going to play exceptionally well, seemingly regardless of who his coach is, right? Because this will be the third yeah. coach that he's had. So he started with Anthony Lynn, went to um, the guy that just got fired, whose name was slipping my mind. Staley. Staley. Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. Yep. Thank you. You know, two defensive-minded coaches, and and I don't know if you could necessarily say Harbaugh is kind of more offensive or defensive-minded, probably more offensive-minded, but you know he wants to work well with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, and any Mm -hmm. coach that's going to take that Chargers job is going to be thrilled that, oh, my God, thank God I have have Justin Herbert, a quarterback in his prime, young quarterback that is – you know, capable of winning any game. We just need to get the right pieces. Yep. We need to get the right attitude and culture. And that's the thing, too, right? Brandon Staley and Anthony Lynn, they weren't really, like, culture guys. Jim Harbaugh is a culture guy. He, mm-hmm. Now, it's his culture, and it's his way or, you know, highway, so to speak. But but those guys run through a wall for him. Yeah. Like, he broke the rules, and they are so far in the pocket, they acted like he died. Yeah. You know, that's not anything you can teach somebody how to be. And I think you're right. Both Lynn and Staley, they were coordinator guys. They were up-and-comers, young, hot names, if you will. But they never really felt like the man at the front. And say what you want about Harbaugh. He's been a head coach for the last... 20 years yeah and he's had success he was 
That Super Bowl that the Niners almost won, lost to John Hart. He was the head coach of that team. Yeah. Stanford has not been the same since he left. You know, it's taken a while to get Michigan going. That's a good call there. Now, next up is Tennessee. Now, so far, this will be three teams where we haven't picked any of the two big names that are available here. Correct. Because so far, we haven't got into the just plug in a guy that can push you over the hump because you have a lot of pieces. So for Tennessee, I'm going to go with Bobby Slowick, Texans offensive coordinator. Look what he did with kind of no-name skill position players and a young, talented quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Tennessee going to kind of have no-name position players. Maybe Derrick Henry comes back. We don't know. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins comes back. We don't know, but they're going to be at 30 or north of it. But they're going to have Will Levis. Young, talented quarterback, maybe Bobby Slowick. And he's also, as a younger assistant, he's got some years to give to maybe building a team. And we've seen with Tennessee, that division's there to be had. Yeah, they were four games out of it, but, you know, Houston won it at 10 and 7. There's That division could be had with just the right couple pushes of buttons. I think Bobby Slowick is the guy for Tennessee. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons. With the fourth pick in the coaching draft, I think a good fit for Atlanta, even though they have already interviewed the hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I like how they they announced it on their social media. We've interviewed Bill Belichick. I don't think Belichick ends up taking the Atlanta job, and I think Atlanta is going to have to look at other coaches. One name that I think they should take a real serious look at, Brian Flores. Hmm. It would be interesting because he would bring, because he was not a bad coach in Miami. No. And players respect him. You know, Arthur Smith, I don't think, was very well liked amongst his players. I don't think so. There's nothing I can point to and be like, yeah, that would do it. But it just never felt like they were really all that bought in did it didn't really feel like it no you know it there's gonna be some pieces that you're gonna need to add you're gonna need to get some guys to buy in but i think brian flores to atlanta i don't think that would be a horrible pick it's gonna be a process and and you know atlanta's gonna need to kind of build up a team that brian flores can coach but i think he would create a culture he would create a sort of toughness and an energy that Atlanta, they just, its that's just it. It's a lack of energy. There's just this, like, uh, we'll kind of, you know, go with whatever and do what we, we can, but you know, winning, yeah, who knows. You know what the vibe around Atlanta feels like? Hmm. Just kind of the general feeling on the outside of the South. Like, we just, we kind of move slower down here. We're a little bit more calm and laid back and, and it just doesn't fit the nfl the vibe of the falcons just kind of been like hey man whatever we do is great waffle house after yeah no, I, I agree i think brian flores could kind of ramp up the intensity there that's not a bad call next up the las vegas raiders and this one 
is easy. The guy's already there. <laughs> Antonio Pierce, Raiders interim head coach, from the whip he drives to the stadium to the fact that he got these guys to play like it they gave a damn over the last seven, eight weeks. I think that's the guy, and that one's pretty much the easiest. It is the easiest, but of course, because it's the most obvious, Mark, Mark Davis, Davis isn't going to do it. Is going to screw it up somehow. All right, which as a Broncos fan, I'm not all that sad about. That's true. Number six, Seattle. A guy who's familiar with how Seattle operates and a guy who used to work under the gentleman Ooh. who's replaced. Intrigue. Dan Quinn. Dan, backwards ball cap himself, huh? I think it would be a good fit because Dan Quinn had success in Seattle working with the Legion of Boom. We forget that he did, as a head coach, take the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl where they promptly, you know, 28-3. to Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn's a good coordinator, and, you know, Dallas had a pretty good defense this year, and I think he wants to get back into coaching. His name's always been thrown around in the ring for a potential head coaching job. You know, the Broncos had their hand in for a little while. So I think Dan Quinn, the opportunity to go back to Seattle, mm-hmm. take over for Pete Carroll, I think that's an opportunity he would not want to miss, and I think that would be the right call for Seattle. That's that's not a bad. I think that would work. They have a legacy of having a good defense. It was under Dan Quinn. I think he deserves to have another crack, and I'm not entirely certain what's going to happen in Dallas. I don't know if he survives a regime change. If there is one. If there is one, and I don't think, think there is. I don't think he's retained under a new head coach. And finally, the Carolina Panthers, the last of the seven official openings. We're going to go through this whole thing. No Belichick, no Pete Carroll. I think Mike Vrabel would be a fit in Carolina. I love it. Because he's young enough to, if, if David Tepper gives him time, to kind of see this one through. Also, he's young enough to, if it doesn't go well in Columbus the next two years... He'll be fired in Carolina and go back to the alma mater and be the head coach of my Ohio State Buckeyes. There you go. But also, I think he's a guy that he's kind of a Flores Pierce type intensity. He's got a little bit of Harbaugh in him by the fact that just seems like guys want to play hard for him. And I think that's something maybe Carolina needs. They need they need a guy to be able to fight for. And I just, unfortunately, I don't think that was Frank Reich. No. So, yeah, I like that one. So, there we go. We have Ben Johnson to the Commanders, Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers, Bobby Slowick to the Titans, Brian Flores to the Falcons, Antonio Pierce to the Raiders, Dan Quinn to the Seahawks, Mike Vrabel to the Panthers. Now, that leaves Bill Belichick sitting out there. Officially. And Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll. There are two jobs that could get added to the list this week. I feel you could very well have Dallas and Philadelphia open. Dallas, I think, is more apt to be open than Philadelphia, but the way that it went the last six, seven weeks for Philadelphia, I don't think Nick Sirianni is particularly concrete in that chair. I think Stefanski is pretty safe. Who knows what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin? Steelers might be added to that list sooner rather than later. I don't know. He just straight up bolted from the press conference when asked about his contract situation. Bam. 
here's mine, and this goes back to something I saw this morning that Shannon Sharp said Bill Belichick and uh, Jerry Jones is a match made in hell. <laughs> and that got me thinking. No, for those two guys, I think that's not a match. I think it's maybe a match made in heaven. And here, I'll explain why. We got to get to a break, but I'll explain why. Okay. Bill Belichick hates dealing with the media. He hates answering the questions of personnel moves that don't work. What does Jerry Jones do for Dallas? Everything, except head coach. He talks to the media. He's the only owner, only GM in the league with a weekly hit on a radio station. Loves, has not yet met a microphone he didn't love and crave. So that fits perfectly with Bill. And for Jerry, Bill can take what you give him and coach it up to be better in all honesty than what it has any right to be. With the exception of this year's Patriots. Maybe you give maybe he can work with Dak Prescott and turn the Patriots into or turn the Cowboys into slight overachievers instead of massive underachievers. And he's said he's willing to give up. Maybe that was to stay in New England. Maybe I like I think that was the nod to everybody else out there that I don't have to be brought in as GM. You know, he's got a defense, defensive pedigree. What did we see the Cowboys suck at over the weekend? Defense. Right. Intensity. Softness. What The Patriots weren't good. They weren't soft either. So, yeah, I think that is going to be your match made in heaven. We got pole dancing on the other side of a commercial break. It's a B-Team edition. Buckeye and Baked Goods on the Jim Davis Show on the team. They need a wake-up call. Call or text the Jim Davis Show on the Chick-fil-A team line. 970-242-1340. We got it together, didn't we? All right. Coming to the stage, it's Amber. Remember, everybody, $14 Kamikaze. Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. It is time for pole dancing, the top five NFL. We're going to skip the top five college basketball and go straight to top five who's in worse shape after their playoff loss. So let's get into it. The NFL top five. I'll just shoot through mine, five through one. Okay. I have Houston, number five. That's a pretty dominating effort. I think they're uh, they're in pretty good shape right now of the eight that are left. Detroit, nice home win there. Buffalo, they look pretty stout. And then the two teams that had buys this last weekend, San Francisco and Baltimore at number one. That's my top five. Houston, Detroit, Buffalo, San Fran, and Baltimore. My five through one, I have the Bills at number five. Uh, yeah, they were good. probably supposed to beat the Steelers, so and mm. it's home field. Uh, Texans at four. CJ Stroud is looking amazing. Yeah. Lions at three. Best of the teams I think that played this weekend, and Ravens and 49ers, two and one respectively. Nice. There you go. So the same five, just in a different order. Not exactly. Bad. Not bad. All right. Who's in the worst shape after a playoff loss? Five. Then one is going to be the worst shape. 
Number five, I have Pittsburgh. They weren't really supposed to be there. And so I have them as the least of the... L.A. is off. Out of the six, L.A. off. They're, I think they're going to be okay next year. I have Pittsburgh number five. They weren't really supposed to be there. Number four, I have Philadelphia. They're just kind of a mess right now. They're soft. They're just a little bit of a mess. Speaking of soft, Miami Dolphins. Like, if they're not in Miami, they are just not a very good football team. They don't seem like they're locked in to what's necessary to get done away from home. Number two, Dallas. Just, wow. And number one, I know fourth and fifth string safeties, fourth and fifth string tackles, fourth string quarterback, guy off the street at running back. Still, Cleveland Browns, they're kind of in the worst shape right now because what are they going to do? How, how long is it going to take Nick Chubb to get back? Are they going to be able to find some help for Denzel Ward in the secondary? Are they going to be able to keep their offensive line healthy? Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback. Like, they're kind of a fraud, <laughs> to be honest. They're kind of in, in bad shape after that playoff loss. And so uh, there's my five through one. My five through one goes like this. And and I, I ranked it kind of in order of least to maybe most likely coach get fired. Oh, that's good. That's a good uh, way to do it. So number five for me is Miami. I don't think they're in any worse shape. The team that's going to come back next year, you know they're going to be like, okay, we gotta, you know, we're gonna prove the doubters wrong. We gotta win tougher games, right? They have gotten better every year under McDaniel, too. So exactly. that, that could be a thing. Yeah. Number four, I have your Cleveland Browns simply because we know Kevin Stefanski is gonna be back next year as much as you want him probably fired. But mm-hmm. you know we 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 know this. I don't really want him fired. I just but they're a fraud. They're yeah. They're a little bit of a fraud, but they've got a lot of questions about next year. Like you mentioned, you know, Chubb, is he coming back? Is what's his health status? Are you going to have Joe Flacco come back to start? And is Deshaun Watson going to be available? Do you want that? You know, it's a whole thing. Number three, the Steelers, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Tomlin walking away from the podium when asked about his contract. While legendary, probably also speaks to what might be going on behind closed doors. Yeah, where doors. that situation's at. That's probably where that's at. Number two uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I really think I could have put them at one just because they're going to have so many questions next year. You've got Jason Kelsey retiring. Guys are old. Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, all these, you know, real veteran guys, they're probably, a lot of them are thinking the same thing as Jason Kelsey, Nick Sirianni, who knows what that's going to look like. But number one, worse shape, got to be the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, got to be. That is bad. Man alive. Did we ever get a winner for Stadium Cinema? Uh, at the moment, I don't see one. No, we did not. All right, hit the clip quickly again. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, come on. Uh-oh. No. Well, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do it next hour. We'll get that next hour. Mav Day next hour. That's coming up. Brought to you by our friends at Colorado Coffee and Beer House.